Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. If you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, everybody, and happy Monday. I hope you had a great week. It was a very intense week, I think, for everybody in this world. And I don't want to go into politics, but I just feel so empowered and happy to see another glass ceiling shattered. This really, truly made me happy this week. And this is just a win and something positive that 2020 gave us. And I'm just looking forward to what 2021 is going to bring. But let's not dwell on that. Today, I have such an amazing guest. And, you know, going into this endeavor of podcasting, When I learned about my own giftedness, I did Google a little bit and I did some research and I looked for podcasts, but let's be honest, I didn't really truly search intensively. I didn't search with Google. I actually just went on Apple Podcasts and I searched for keywords and probably Aurora's podcast did come up, but I didn't click on it at the time. And today I'm actually a little bit grateful I didn't find her podcast immediately because that will probably have hindered me in my own endeavors. I probably would have been intimidated by somebody who has already done a podcast for the last four years and she has more than a hundred thousand downloads. So that's just an incredible achievement. She comes from the field of education and giftedness. She has a degree in educational psychology and she's really worked on this topic for so long that 
probably when I found her podcast back in the day, I would have been so intimidated by that fact that I would have thought to myself, there's already so much out there that there's no room or no need for my podcast. So I think it was a little bit luck on my side and yours as the listener that I didn't find her podcast right away. But obviously, once I started my own podcast and I got a little bit deeper into this topic, I stumbled across her podcast and I reached out to her and I asked her if she would be willing to come on my show and she did. And I just want to mention that Aurora has been such a positive and embracing and loving person. It was just so nice to have you know, a fellow podcaster that welcomed me with open arms. And that's just something that made me so happy and also helped me overcome my imposter syndrome and felt like I belong in this space with her. So that was really, really, truly an amazing experience. And I want to thank her for that. And when we start the interview, you will hear, I was so nervous that I even said the name of her podcast wrong. And that's so embarrassing. I tried to edit the recording, but that made it even worse. So I just left it in there. Her podcast is called Embracing Intensity, and so is her community. The title I mentioned is Living with Intensity, which is actually a title of a book by Susan Daniels and Michael Pekowski. That's a very great resource as well, but it's not the name of her podcast. So if you're looking for Aurora's podcast, it's Embracing Intensity. And you can find her on Instagram. You can find her on her website, auroraremember.com. So we will dig right into this awesome interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Aurora, thank you so much for coming, for sharing your story. And before... I forget. We talk about 2E in the podcast, and I'm not sure if I have mentioned this before, but 2E basically stands for twice exceptional. So there's a lot of gifted people, kids and adults, who are gifted, but they also have other challenges. For example, being on the autistic spectrum or having Asperger's and also can be challenged with ADHD. Attention deficits, hyperactivity, disorder. And a lot of kids and adults that are on the ADHD spectrum, I don't know if that's a spectrum. Again, I'm not an expert in this field. I am a scientist by training, but not in the field of giftedness. So I'm trying to be as accurate as possible. And as a scientist myself, I usually rely on research data. And in this field of giftedness, it's really interesting to see that there is some data. There's a lot of data for gifted kids, but there's not so much data for gifted adults. I am digging through the published papers and I try to find the published articles out there, 
But as I said, this is not my field of expertise yet. So I'm still learning as I go. And I just take you on this journey with me. So please be patient. And if I say something completely wrong, please forgive me. I'm happy to have a conversation. And I'm happy if you point it out to me. You can always reach me on my Instagram at unleash.monday and you can send me a dm there but you can also write me an email that is hello at unleashmonday.com my website is unleashmonday.com so i'm really happy to hear experts and people that really have knowledge scientific knowledge in this field to come and speak up because this is really what we need, right? So that we can have a real profound conversation on this topic. But just as I wanted to say, I think there's a lot of evidence or even anecdotal evidence that there are people that have ADHD, but because of their giftedness, they're able to compensate. So from the outside, this person might seem, you know, normal, whatever normal means, but they don't seem to stand out in a way that fingers are pointed at them. And they might not realize that their own experience of the world is different. However, compensating for something like ADHD takes a lot of energy. And as Aurora is going to mention, is that she re suffered from chronic pain and headaches and only when she found out about her own ADHD, she was able to manage those and really increase her own quality of life. And I think this is really where I want to go with this podcast. This is not to celebrate the gifted people in a way that they're superior, not at all. I'm here to create awareness, to try and shatter these stereotypes and stigma but really helping people that belong in this category to learn this about themselves, to increase their own well-being, to increase their quality of life. That is what my goal is for this show. But without any further delay, I'm happy to share with you my conversation I had with Aurora Remember Holtzman. Here she is. Hello and welcome, Aurora. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. It's great to be here. I felt so welcomed by you as I just started my gifted podcast and I didn't even take the time to really search for other podcasts on the topic. I quickly Googled back in the days when I tried to find something, but yours is called Living with Intensity. And at the time, I didn't even have all the vocabulary. And so I'm really happy you're taking the time now to talk to me and you are so welcoming and I'm honored to have you on the show. I'm curious before we talk about what you do today, do you want to share your story and how, you know, even from the beginning, how you went through school and how you learned about your own giftedness and intensity? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that I discovered your podcast a couple weeks ago when Paula Prober shared it on her Instagram. And I, I was really thrilled to see another podcast out there in the gifted adult space because there's a few out there for gifted education and some of them touch on the adult topics, but there's almost nothing out there specifically to gifted adults. And so it was great to discover you. And then when I saw your message, I was really, I was actually thinking I'd reach out eventually as well. So glad to be here. And yeah, so my story, let's see where, <laughs> so when I, I was 
super young for my grade. I was in California. The The cutoff is December 1st. So my birthday is November 25th. So I was right before the cutoff. So I was four in kindergarten, which is not typical. And so I was super, super young and super, super talkative. And I was constantly asking questions. And so they tried to hold me back in kindergarten and my parents fought that, which was great. And they said in my report cards that I was immature for my age, but I was really mostly immature for my grade. So there was definitely early on that asynchronous development. So I was very verbal. My parents said that I was speaking in full sentences when I was one. I don't know how full, you know, <laughs> but having seen my son go through similar, I, I can see where that would be. So early on in my school, it was really difficult because I was in a Spanish immersion program, which is great in theory, (laughs) but in practice, it was very authoritarian, which was very in conflict with my learning style and my family upbringing, which was very authoritative and, you know, supportive in that way. And so I felt like no teachers really liked me in all of elementary school. I actually remember one fourth grade teacher. And I think her name was Mrs. Clemens, which is one of the few teachers I remember because she's the only one I felt actually liked me. So in third grade, I think they started testing for giftedness. And I had friends in my program that my dad had convinced to go there as well. So they were family friends and they were all identified pretty early for the gifted program, but I wasn't because I don't know if it was I just couldn't read well enough in English or because of attention concerns. I'm not quite sure why, but they didn't actually, I didn't pass the test until fifth grade. But by the time I did, I scored so high that they told my parents that they needed to get me out of that school and into a full-time gifted program. Oh, wow. And so they'd missed me up until that point for whatever reason, quite likely because I, you know, now have recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And so I was in this special program, and in middle school, there were literally three or four of us in my grade in the entire program. And so that was great. Those three years, I felt like most people find middle school to be a really awful time. But for me, it was great because I had small group attention. I had people who kind of understood my needs educationally, and I made some good friends. So that was my middle school years were probably the best for me, educationally speaking, but those elementary years were so difficult that I just constantly felt like I was always, like I was lazy because I was never achieving up to what people expected me to. So then I got to high school and became the typical gifted underachiever. So they tried to kick me out of the gifted program in 10th grade. And I was super resentful because By that point, my class had been up to 18 kids, and I knew I was in this tiny little program in middle school, and here we are are in this bigger program. So I knew that I was probably smarter, like intellectually, than some of these kids who were high achievers. And so I actually developed this huge resentment for high achievers in my high school years because I couldn't... I had no study skills. I had all this executive functioning stuff that I didn't know the wording for. And so I was 
an underachiever through there. And I had one teacher who I felt like got me those last two years. And I would write these journal entries. And when I read back on them, I could see how super resentful I was. And some of the things I wrote, I couldn't even believe that I wrote because I've always been this very positive thinking the best of people. And I found this post that I made, it was what I wished to say as a graduation speech. And I basically wished death on some of my peers. It was so like, I was shocked to read this because I had no idea like that. I knew I was angry and moody, but I didn't realize to that degree. So moving up and my senior year, my dad thought maybe I should look into antidepressants. And so I went on Prozac as I went into college. And the main difference I noticed there was I decided to actually go off during my freshman year. And the main thing I noticed at the time was I had this great roommate my freshman year of college and we got along great. But then suddenly when I was going off the medication, I was just super irritable. And there was things that were bugging me that didn't bug me before. And so it was actually a good experience because even though I didn't stay on it very long, it gave me a perspective that, oh, that didn't bother me before. Now it's bothering me. So that's me, not her. And so it was very helpful to give me a perspective on my own irritability and all of that. So when I got to college, my sophomore year, I just couldn't, I, I had this total physical breakdown. I couldn't even get up in the morning for my classes unless I spent the night at the health center. I had this really challenging roommate situation that I got out of halfway through the year and went back to my freshman roommate. And it was it was super difficult. And then ultimately at the end of that year, I decided that I needed to drop out of that school. And so I went back home and I did community college a little bit. And then I went to the state school in San Diego State. And so I was able to finish that way. And it was pretty easy when I moved because my first couple years was a liberal arts school. And it was pretty high. Like, I don't know if I would have even gotten in a year later. (laughs) And so the expectations there were pretty high. And I did try to get back in but because I had withdrawn, they wouldn't let me back in. And so that was really difficult because all of my college friends I met at the school that I was at for two years, and I still am in touch with them. And I don't think I've am in touch with anyone from the rest of my college years, a few from grad school, but just on Facebook and stuff. So that was college. I was able to finally get through there. May I ask you, I was only identified as gifted at the age of 37. I was like, oh my God, this is such, you know, like mind blowing. And then I thought, wow, all these kids that were identified in school, they must have known all of the pain points and all of the struggles. But is that really what happened to you? Like you were identified, you were put into this program, but is it more like busy work, but nobody ever told you this has an effect on all of your life or... Yeah, no. And I mean, my story is a little bit different because I also, I just recently got diagnosed with ADHD and I knew pretty much when I dropped out of college because my dad shared a book with me and I actually, this is funny because I tried to get diagnosed then. I gathered all my school paperwork, handed it over and then never followed up on an appointment. And then I lost all of my school paperwork because I gave them original copies. (laughs) 
But I know it was 24 years ago because I found the form that I had filled out at the time. So that's really interesting to reflect back on this form that I filled out at the time when I first dropped out of college. So I knew then that I probably had ADHD, but I came up with compensating skills that kind of got me through. What I realized recently is that those compensating skills were taxing my energy and part of the reason why I have chronic pain and fatigue. So that's why I ultimately ended up pursuing treatment. But I have found if you look, it's it's kind of interesting because if you look, say, on, on Twitter or other places on social media, there's so many memes and videos and other things about burnt out gifted kids. And so I definitely, even non-2E folks, I mean, some of them may be 2E and not know it because oftentimes our gifts overcompensate for the whatever the disability is and so that's one possibility in my case that urgency driven like really being driven by urgency is what kept me going deadlines and doing things for other people I'm much better at than doing things for myself and so that's what kept me going but there's also those folks who feel like the expectations on them were put an expectation on them that was maybe unrealistic or that they couldn't live up to, or they have these perfectionistic tendencies. And some blame the gifted program, and some of them may, obviously, different programs are better than others. And so it may be that it was a bad program. But there's also some of those characteristics that I think are inherently there, like the perfectionism. Paula Prober, she talks about positive and negative perfectionism. And I love her take on it because there is some natural tendency towards perfectionism or detail-orientedness in gifted folks. So I don't necessarily think you can blame the gifted program for that. That's going to be there whether you're identified or not. And so I find a lot of people who were identified, they blame the program for some of these tendencies. And it could be true, but it also could be. But couldn't it also that if you're like identified and put in such a program that the program would be accompanied by some sort of coaching, not just academically, but also coaching, you know, what does it mean to be gifted and and teach already from a young age, like, you know, perfectionism, is a tendency and there's positive and negative traits, like just making the kids aware. Yeah, no, that would be great. It doesn't even happen now. My son's in a program and that's not really part of what they address. So yeah, it's, it would be nice in theory, but I think there's also debate in the field of gifted education because research doesn't really support that gifted folks have more say, mental health issues or more overexcitability. There's no research to support those claims. But those people who work directly with these kids are seeing these tendencies. And so there's a there's a huge split in the gifted education community in terms of that piece. And so I think one thing to note is that giftedness does not automatically make you intense. And being intense doesn't automatically make you gifted for example. But it's something that when you combine the two has its own unique issues when you have both combined. And may I ask, because now I'm really at the the very start, I'm, I'm really loving these discussions with people to find out, you know, what is giftedness? What is, you know, my own personality? And I also 
read a checklist on ADHD and I'm like, oh, so I, I don't know. I have never been um, screened for that. But I also heard that a lot of people have been identified with ADHD were later on identified as gifted. Can mm -hmm. you tell maybe, I don't know, from a personal perspective, what is your giftedness and what is really different from the ADHD or do you know mm -hmm. where there's like a cut or the overlap or? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually wrote a blog post specifically on that topic because I was tagged multiple times in questions around that. And, you know, it's funny because, and it, so this is one of the reasons why the concept of overexcitability is debated and controversial in the gifted community is that because people see this as a sign of giftedness, then they often will dismiss it and say, well, it's just because he's gifted. That's it. End of story. We don't need to look at any other treatment or anything like that because it's just his quirk. He's just quirky. He's gifted, whatever, or she. And I think it stops people from getting actual treatment for things that maybe can be helped. James Webb wrote a book called something about the misdiagnosis and dual diagnosis in gifted children. And to be quite honest, I think more people are underdiagnosed than overdiagnosed. I haven't experienced where someone gets diagnosed with ADHD and then it turns out it's only giftedness. It may be that they also have giftedness, but I keep hearing these claims that, oh, they're diagnosing these gifted kids with ADHD, but they're really just gifted. I haven't observed that personally, and I don't think the research supports it. I think it's actually much more likely that someone who's gifted and compensating for their ADHD will not get diagnosed because they're achieving. And a lot of people see ADHD as lack of achievement. And some of the things that we do to push ourselves to achieve, if we have both, is really finding a structure that creates urgency to get things done. We rely on making commitments to other people because that pushes us for that urgency. And what I realized, and it's funny because I blogged about some of this for years and it wasn't until last year I tried treating my chronic pain and fatigue for 20 plus years. I have fibromyalgia, I have adrenal fatigue, I have all these chronic health issues that I tried treating, you know, with diet or exercise or all these other things and some of it helped. And I knew that they were sort of connected to my ADHD, but it wasn't until last year that it occurred to me, maybe if I treat the ADHD, it will help these other things. And I have found in terms of when I started the medication, I had been getting chronic headaches again because we of the pandemic and we were working from home and there was a lot of stress and I was getting constant headaches. And I hadn't had that chronic headache issue for years. And when I started taking the medication, that was almost the immediate response for me is that my headaches went almost entirely away. So for a couple of months, I, th I had one, I think the week after I started. And then after that, for a few months, I had none. And coming back to work, I've started having them on occasion still. But that was the biggest thing for me was realizing it helped with the brain fog and the headaches that were connected to stress. And so 
living a life of urgency to get anything done causes a physical toll. And that's why I think it's important for people who are gifted to look at that piece if they think it's ADHD as well. And so to answer your question in terms of differentiating between the two, it comes down to executive functioning. So ADHD isn't a lack of attention. It's a lack of attention regulation. And so your ability to regulate where you focus your attention, that's the ADHD. And also a host of other executive functioning things, which is like the frontal lobe of your brain that is sort of your executive assistant. And so it does all the little things that get you to a goal. So it helps you organize your thoughts. It helps you plan out your time. It helps you get motivated to do the things you need to do to meet your goals. And so those of us who have executive functioning challenges, we have a hard time organizing ourselves. And one of the things I like to point out is that the things that seem the most basic for other people can actually be the most difficult for us. And so people will say, well, you can, you know, do these really big math equations or solve these complicated problems, but you can't figure out how to regularly do the dishes or, you know, stuff like that. And so that's confusing to people because they think they see that you're smart. In fact, actually, I just did a video on one of my episodes with Renee Brooks, who mentioned her challenges as a kid with ADHD and giftedness is that people confuse executive functioning with intelligence and they think they're synonymous, but they're not. And so when you're able to do these complicated problems, but you can't organize yourself to get your homework in on time, that is a challenge. And that doesn't mean you're less intelligent. It just means that you have a hard time with those tasks involved in getting stuff done and reaching your goals. It sounds very fascinating and I I can relate. So I think that might be something I will have to look into a little bit, I guess, later on for myself as well. But as I said, like for me, it's really just been a crazy few maybe just a few weeks, right, <laughs> about all this topic. And it, and it's a lot, but yeah. But thank you for sharing. And it's it's so fascinating. And especially you mentioning your chronic pain and being highly functioning. And you just don't know until like, you know, middle of life. And you're like, why hasn't anybody told me this? Mm-hmm. Why hasn't yeah. anybody seen this? Why why didn't anybody point that out instead of just calling me too much, too loud, too intense, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, and that's what I think when people talk about the connection between intensity and overexcitability and giftedness, I actually wonder how many of those folks actually are 2E. Because I think that's the combination of the two that can create that intensity. I don't, you know, I'm not a researcher. I just follow a lot of gifted educators and also in the adult sphere, which aren't aren't as many. But the research does not point to gifted folks having more mental health issues over time. And so I think those people who are seeking support as a gifted individual may have something else going on in addition because... And I think it's a self-selection thing, right? Those people who are looking for community, who are looking for other people or information, there's something that they're challenged with 
as an adult where their needs aren't getting met. And so there's probably plenty of gifted folks out there who maybe are getting their needs met. And so they're not looking for information. So they're not the ones we're seeing. And so when you get a community together, you are going to see probably more of those issues because it's a self-selection thing, right? And it's hard to tell too, because a lot of the twice exceptional folks weren't identified for either giftedness or a disability. And so they don't necessarily show up in the research. Yeah. So, and going on in your story, so how did you then end up creating a podcast and you do so much more, right? You have a community and tell us a little bit more of like how you got there and what you do today. Yeah. So my experience as a student led me to follow school psychology as a path. And I really wanted to help students, similar students, but in education, you don't see as many twice exceptional kids going through the special education process. Sometimes you do, but it's not as typical. Usually they're in the schools and I'm finding ways to help teachers and get more information out there and that sort of thing in the school system. But I don't necessarily work with those kids as often because they're compensating, they're doing all these things. And so while they may be eligible for accommodations, they're not necessarily in need of specially designed instruction, which is kind of my realm in schools. And so a few years back, I felt like I was kind of looking at the whole retirement plan thing and thinking like I had another 25 years before I could retire. And I just couldn't see myself full time in the education system for 25 more years. And so I started thinking about what else I could do. And I did some coach training. And this is actually super on brand. I've actually thought I I haven't said this publicly, but (laughs) I was thinking that I should, that I did the entire program. I met all the requirements for national certification for coaching. And I missed the memo that you had to get it done in the first year. And so I had everything done, but I didn't do the paperwork. And so I have met all the requirements except that one. And when I found out about it, it was through another friend who'd done the same thing, but she ended up having to go back and there were multiple steps that she had to take to make it happen. That was beyond my executive functioning at that point in time. I just couldn't take those extra steps. I could have finished the paperwork and turned them in, but it was too late. And so I have that. And plus the particular coaching training wasn't, but if I were to do it again, I'd probably do a different one. And so most of my coaching experience and skills come from my educational background. So my training as a school psychologist, my working in the schools, my working in meetings and coming to strengths-based, really finding people's strengths. And that's something that I've been told on numerous occasions that I tend to have a calming energy with people. And so I tend to bring out the best in them. So coaching is kind of the direction that I went. And as I was looking at refining that, my son was just starting in school. And so he was having some issues. He was definitely excitable from birth. I mean, you could actually, day one, he couldn't nurse without popping off to look at, you know, if there was somebody in the room talking, he would pop off and look around. 
from birth. And so he, he was super fussy, all this other stuff. And so by the time we got in school and he was getting in trouble, I started researching. And that's when I discovered the concept of overexcitability and looking at Jade Rivera. She's got a great blog out there and she had a whole series on overexcitability. And so as I was reading through that, it made so much sense, not just for him, but for me. And so that's why I started focusing my work around when I started blogging. And then I had the idea to do the podcast probably a couple of years before it started. But then the year I was going to start it, we moved to this new place out in the country. And so it, it got a little delayed. The whole point that a lot of these things we see as personality flaws, being too much, being too whatever, can be channeled. And I kind of see it like when you look at the classic superhero movie, right? They have this, this ability that pops up and it's out of control, like Frozen or, you know, Harry Potter jumps on the roof or lets out the snake or, you know, they, they have these powers, but they can't control them. And so the concept of harnessing that power in a positive way is, is sort of where I went with it. And that's why I, I created the Ignite Your Power program that I'm kind of wrapping up the final version of. It took me five years. <laughs> Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I started the program five years ago, and it's basically a self-regulation program for adults because I saw there are these self-regulation courses that you can now do for kids, like curriculum for kids, but they don't really, a lot of us never had that. I mean, a lot of kids still don't, but it just occurred to me that how working on self-regulation as an adult is really important. And that's kind of the key to balancing and harnessing that energy. And so I use the star, stop, think, act And I changed it to request. It was in the kids version, it was review. So review what you did. But the reason I picked request is because it's in line with the principles of nonviolent communication. And so you're stopping to make objective observations and looking at how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and then thinking about solutions and then acting on it and then requesting help when you need it. So that's where it started. And like I said, I use a lot of concepts of nonviolent communication as the framework because I find it a useful tool for self-observation and self-analysis because you're looking at everything we do is there to meet a need. And if we can understand what needs we're trying to get met, then perhaps we can find a solution that is more productive. So that's where it was. And the first time I did it, I I literally, I just threw it out there. I had this whole plan where I wrote the thing the week before, I recorded it that weekend, and then on Monday it would release. And this was a three-month program. Every week I had a new lesson. And so I had to just get it out there. And then every couple of years, I'd redo it a little bit closer to where I wanted it to be. And my final vision was to have the workbook part to incorporate the whole coursework and everything all into the workbook. And that's what I'm finally doing this year is I'm incorporating the PowerPoint lesson with the handouts and just making it all. So each individual one can be used individually or in combination. And so I have two more workbooks to go, two more lessons to go for this year. And then all of those will be available in my community going forward. And then I can focus on other things now that it's kind of where I want it to be. (laughs) 
perfectionism after five years of your program. That sounds amazing. Is there anything you would like to share? Something you you think or something you wished you knew earlier or something you really wish people would know? Hmm. <laughs> what haven't we covered? Let's see. I think one of the things that they talk about a lot in the ADHD community, but I think it's true of any kind of twice exceptionality, any kind of neurodiversity, any kind of not fitting inside the box is the concept of rejection sensitivity, or they call it rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is not an official thing, but people talk about it a lot. And basically what it is, is when you've had this experience of rejection or criticism over all of these years, then we can be more sensitive to it as adults. And so we can respond more intensely to criticism. We can see criticism where maybe it's not. And so being aware of that sensitivity can be really helpful because it can help you to see like, oh, wait, this isn't actually criticism. This is, or it is criticism, but it's not a bad thing. It's something that I can use for positive results. And so being aware if you're tend towards rejection sensitivity, being able to kind of look at it from another perspective can be really helpful. Wow, that's something I haven't heard of yet. So thank you very much for sharing that. That's definitely something I'm going to do a little bit of research on. And the best blog post on it is from Renee Brooks of Black Girl Lost Keys. She has a fantastic article about rejection sensitive dysphoria. I highly recommend. <laughs> So I can share that also in the show notes afterwards so people can go and click on it. Yeah. So thank you very much. Where can people find you? And if they want to hear from you, your podcast, your community, where can we connect? Yes. So my website is auroraremember.com and my podcast is on there. My blog is on there. I have like 200 blog posts. I don't know, a lot of blog posts on there. I just made archive pages for both my blog and my podcast. And now I'm working on getting all my YouTube videos onto my website as well. So they're all in one place. And so that's still in process. <laughs> the the YouTube videos, but but they're also on YouTube, Aurora Remember. I have some shorts from my podcast that I animated, so short stories from the podcast that I've animated, mostly around gifted and twice exceptionality. And then the community is embracingintensity.com, and that has my Ignite Your Power course and also access to the community and community calls. And I'm working on getting, resuming having guest calls again this year. Two years ago, I had guest speakers come and talk about their topics of expertise, and that was great. But I couldn't promote both that and my Ignite Your Power program at the same time with the timing because I'm still working in schools three days a week. And so I had to focus on one. And that's this year's that's my focus. But next year, I want to bring back the guest speakers because they bring so much richness in their talks. And so all of the past guest calls are in the guest call library in the community. And I will continue to share those as we have more. And we have monthly calls basically with the community that are usually uh, Saturday mornings at 10 Pacific, which works for European time usually. Not always. There's always going to be some time zone that's not perfect but thank you I'm so happy you were here and thank you for sharing and thank you for embracing me in in your community thank you thank you so much
I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you got something out from this talk with Aurora. I'm encouraging you to go and have a look at her website and her community and also obviously her podcast and her YouTube videos are amazing. She animated them. It's really so much great work she's doing and I'm so happy I found her and I'm also so happy she was such an embracing person. Thank you, Aurora, again. I cannot mention how happy I am that you were so open to meeting a fellow podcaster in this space. And I hope we can collaborate and continue our conversation in the future. And if you love this podcast, if you like my format, if this brings you some sort of help, or if you can relate, if you can see yourself in some of the stories, if this encourages you, please, please, please go and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. This will really mean a lot and it gives me the opportunity to share this podcast with a bigger audience. The more people that listen, the more people that subscribe, the more people that write a review, the more visibility this podcast will get. So that's basically not for myself, but really for anybody out there who doesn't know about what it means to be a gifted adult to find this resource and maybe give them some better quality of life and also a little bit of joy and some motivation to start great into a Monday morning. I hope you had a great time and I'm wishing you a great week and I see you in two weeks. Bye!